The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Beginning in verse 13, Paul writes, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye may uh, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus with God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we have. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would instruct us today, use this time to edify our hearts and minds so that we can uh, glorify God in all that we do. Thank you for this time now. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at the different aspects of the Christian life that God will judge at the judgment seat of Christ, and we've looked at seven. Uh, They're listed on your study sheet, so I won't go through each one of them again. But today we're on number eight, and number eight is, is this, how we love his appearing. How we love his appearing. Now, I've got a lot to say today. I I may not finish this outline today. Uh, My Sunday school lessons are normally four of these small pages. I have eight of them in front of me here today. And uh, so this might end up being two parts, but we'll see what we can do. We might get through all of it. It all depends on how fast you can listen. So make sure you pay attention. Uh, 2 Timothy 4.8, Paul writes, Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Uh, when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat, he will examine, did we look for, did we long for, did we love the appearing of Christ? Um, let me ask you a question, you parents. Have you ever come home and found your children sitting out front watching and waiting for you to get home? How many of you parents have ever had that happen? You've, you've pulled up in the driveway and there are your kids standing there waiting for you. huh? Yeah, isn't that a great feeling? It, it just feels so wonderful. Maybe you've had a bad day at work. Maybe you're just dog tired and and you're, you're, you're all down and glum and thinking, man, what a day I've had. And you pull up in the driveway and there are your children and they, they become anxious and excited to see you. I do that even now. I, sometimes I pull up in my driveway at home and there in the big picture window in front is Corey and Noah. And I, they start jumping up and down and I hear them yelling, Mama, Papa's home, Papa's home. And you know what? Whatever was concerning me during the day just melts away. I get out of the car, I go in there, and I hug those boys and just have fun with them. And it's a wonderful feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. God's word declares to us that Christ will return. His word declares to us that he is coming 
Again, in Acts chapter 1, we read, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. As a boy, I knew that every day, barring any misfortunate accidents, my daddy would pull up in the driveway at about 4.30 p.m. I knew this. I knew it. I didn't wonder if he would. I expected it. I was sure of it. But how could I be so sure? How could I be so sure, barring any accidents, that my daddy was going to pull up at 4.30 every day? Well, I want to share some things with you and make a a parallel. Now, certainly, I'm not setting my daddy up on an equal par with God the Father. Let me explain that to you right now. But I want to use some comparisons for why I was so sure and why I so greatly anticipated this and apply to our expectations of Jesus coming again. So let me share these with you. Letter A on your study sheet. First is this. My father promised. He promised. Each morning, when my father left our home, he told all of us, my mother, my brother, my sisters, and myself, he would say, I will see you this afternoon. Those are, some, those are some great words. I will see you this afternoon. In other words, I'll be back. He told us he would. In essence, he promised us that he would come back to his family, that he would come home, that he would come back to us. We just read in Acts chapter 1, Jesus uh, ascended into heaven. And the angel said, this same Jesus shall come back. He's coming again. He has promised this in his word. Now, allow me to share some of the great promises of God concerning his, his return, concerning coming back for us. First, uh, he promised us redemption. <clears throat> this morning, when we think about the, the, the return of Christ, he, uh, we need to remember that he promised us redemption. Redemption was not an afterthought with God. He didn't wake up one morning and say, Oh no, man sinned. What are we going to do now? God didn't do that. First of all, God never wakes up because God never goes to sleep. But he, 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 did, he wasn't caught by surprise. He wasn't unaware of the fact that man would sin? No, redemption was the eternal plan of the Father. Titus, in Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, Paul writes, In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Before God created the first bit of matter, He had already determined that I would go to heaven. He knew me. And he had already already decided that he would redeem 
me. And the same is true for you. Now, don't misunderstand me here. God is not obligated to save me or anyone else. He does not owe you or I anything. Least of all, forgiveness. God doesn't owe us a thing. He's not obligated to redeem us, but he has chosen to do so. He's not obligated. I've heard so many people say, well, no man can die without having an opportunity to be saved. Well, I'd like for you to find that in Scripture, because that, that myth does not exist. God is not obligated to give any man an opportunity to choose him. Why? Because all men everywhere have already made their choice. They chose to sin against God. They weren't for, we, we weren't forced to sin. We chose to sin. All of us, without exception, chose to sin against God. We made our choice. We don't, it's, this isn't golf. We don't get a mulligan. We don't get a do-over. Oh, God, I messed up. Can I have another chance? No, no, no. We all had our chance to, to receive the Lord and we've rejected him and we've chosen to ignore him and we've chosen to sin. It is by God's sovereign choice and his abundant grace and mercy that some men are chosen unto eternal life. I, I, I don't understand it. And you know what? I'm not trying to understand it because it's truth and that's all I need to know. I'll understand it. I'll understand perfectly all of the elements of election and grace when I stand before the Father and he gifts me with complete and total understanding and wisdom. But for now, Paul said, I see through a glass darkly. I, I, I know it's there, but I don't fully understand it. In 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 2, Peter writes, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. There it is. Through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Now, I, I could take that one verse right there and literally spend years preaching from that one verse. The depth of information and, and the, the wealth of knowledge found in those few words are so profound. But we must understand that it's God's sovereign choice. And, and, and it is to, to, to this chosen people that God has promised salvation according to his will and purpose. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, a very well-known verse, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And of course, that phrase, not willing that any should perish doesn't mean that it's God's will that no man worldwide die and go to hell. That's not what that means. This is written to the elect saints. And it is God's will that not one of his elect children should perish without redemption. And that's a great promise to us. So he's promised us redemption. 
And you and I today can, can conduct our lives with the confidence and the assurance of knowing that we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. So yes, I have confidence today that, that God will return because he has promised that he would redeem those that he has chosen to redeem. And we are not yet, we have not yet been, the redemption has not yet been complete, has it? The salvation of our soul is complete, but the redemption of you and I into the kingdom of God is not yet complete, and he's coming again to receive us, and he's coming again to bring us home and complete that redemption. So promised. But not only has he promised us redemption, but secondly, he's promised us relationship. Now this is important. Don't, don't miss this point. This, a lot of Christians don't even understand this. They, they stop at salvation and, 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 and they're thankful and they praise the Lord and that's great. But there's another step to this and that is he's promised us a relationship. You and I, if we are born again, have a relationship with the Father. We are his children. In John chapter 1 and verse 12 we read, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. I knew that my daddy would return. Because I was his child. And he was my daddy. You know, when my daddy got up in the morning and he kissed my mother and said, have a good day and I'll see you later. And he kissed each of his children. And he said, I love you. And I'll, be, I'll see you later today. He didn't, he didn't go out and go to the neighbor and knock on the door and go to my... She was actually my godmother. He didn't go over there and hug her and kiss her and say, I love you and I'll see you later. And he didn't go to all of her children and, 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 and he didn't go to each house in the neighborhood and, and then get in his car and leave. No, he, he, he gave us that, that promise because he was our daddy and we were his children. And we had a unique relationship. We need to understand that. We had, and my father and I, we had and still have a relationship of love and trust and respect. I've told, I've told, I used to tell the young people all the time, I don't do things that my daddy disapprove of. I, I'm, I'm completely grown. I, I'm a, I have my own family, I have my own, but I will not do things that I know my daddy do not approve of. I, I won't do things that I know will offend him and will disappoint him. Why? Because that's the kind of relationship Daddy and I have. It's, it's a relationship of love and trust and respect. And that's the kind of relationship you and I need to have with God the Father. My daddy promised me when he left in the morning that he would come home to my mother and my sisters and my brother and I. And because of our relationship, I trusted him. He promised to never leave us. 
In Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5, we read, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. We know that God cannot lie, and that every word spoken out of his mouth shall be done. So when he promises that he will never leave us, he never leaves us. We can always count on God. Just as I could count on my dad to come home, as he promised, even more so can I count on God to keep his promises to me. In fact, God has given us his own spirit to encourage us, to teach us, to comfort us, and to give us assurance. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, we read, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 16, we read, The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. We sing a song, and I, I love to sing this song. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living, whatever men may say. I feel his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. And just the time I need him, he's always near. We can always depend on the Father. Because we have a relationship with him. I, I personally could think of nothing that would hurt me more if my children ignored me. If, if my, I'm talking about my physical children. If my, if my children just refuse to have a relationship with me, I, I can think of nothing that would hurt me more. And God desires to have a relationship with us. Now, I don't, want to picture, I don't want to paint God, I don't want to paint a picture of God standing in heaven and weeping and crying because I won't talk to him. I don't want to paint that picture in your mind. But God desires a relationship with you, and you are the one losing out. If you do not have a close and abiding relationship with the Father, you are the one who's losing out. So make sure you take advantage of that relationship. He's promised us redemption. He's promised us relationship. And thirdly, he's promised us residency. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's promised us residency. You know, I find something interesting when I 
look in the scripture carefully and understanding that God has placed every word in the Bible strategically. My Bible tells me, having therefore food and raiment, let us be therewith content. Did you notice there was no mention of a house? Do you understand and realize that in Bible times, most people didn't own homes? Most people lived in caves. They lived under, under groves of trees or in lean-tos and shacks. But God did promise us residency. He did promise me a home, but it's not on this earth. He promised me a mansion in the New Jerusalem. In fact, he's already built it. And he's, he's just waiting. Because he's coming back to receive me and bring me home. You know, in my mind, I already live in heaven. <laughs> I'm already there. In my heart, I'm there. Now, in, in my physical body, I'm, I'm, I'm trapped on this terrestrial ball we call earth, which is, the, which is actually under the control of the devil, not the Lord. The Bible does say that Satan is the God of this present world, doesn't it? But you see, God's not worried about it. I've said that before. God is not so concerned with my happiness on this earth. He's not concerned with that because he already, he already views my life in heaven with him. And we put far too much emphasis on this terrestrial ball, on this earth. Be content with the things God gives you. So many, so many Christians have wasted opportunities in their life to do more for God because they're so focused on material things. They're so focused on work and earning money so they can buy bigger houses and faster cars and so they can travel around the world like jet setters and all these different things. And all the while, they are wasting opportunities to serve and glorify the Father. Now listen, don't get me wrong. Have the best life you can have. Have the best things you can have within, within your means. But don't sacrifice your, your life for God to obtain, to, to obtain temporal things that are, going to, that are just where moth and rust doth corrupt. But lay up your treasures in heaven and, and, and live your life now as though you were already on the streets of gold. Fulfill the will and purpose of God for you in this life. Be content and serve Him. But not only do we have residency in heaven, I also want to remind you that God has taken up residency in me. God dwells in me now, with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's right. God dwells in us. We are his tabernacle. We are his temple. And just as 
just as my dad lived in the same house with me and my mother and my, my siblings, so God dwells in the same tabernacle with my spirit. And today I have redemption. I have a relationship and I have residency. All because God promised these things to me and to you. So I was confident. I was confident that my father was going to come home, that my daddy was coming home, because he had promised us he would come home. But secondly, not only because he promised, but letter B on your study sheets, is my father performed. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Now, my daddy always kept his promises. No matter what it cost him, he kept his promises. I, I've, I, there were times I saw my daddy... He was, he was a contractor, he was a carpenter, he built homes, and there were times when he promised people something and things didn't always go so right on the job. My daddy was not the kind of man that would come back and say, look, I didn't expect this, this happened, uh, it's going to cost you more money. My daddy never did that. Once that contract was signed, no matter what it took, he did the job, and he did it for what he said he would do it. He kept his word. He kept his promise. And he never left the job with someone unsatisfied. If, even if it cost him money, out of his own checkbook, he was going to make it right. He kept his promises. And when my daddy promised me that he would come home, you better believe I had no doubt about it. My daddy kept his promises, but let me tell you this, even more so, does God keep his promises. In Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, we read, God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken and shall he not make it good? Now, tell me honestly this morning. Who here could say God lied to me? Who could say that? You know, I've had people in my encounters in life, unsaved people, of course, tell me that. Well, God's a liar. God, God isn't, isn't, isn't real. There's no such thing. When, God, when has God failed to make good on his promises to us? I can't, I can't think of one, one time since I've been saved that God hasn't provided me food to eat. He hasn't provided me with clothes to wear. He hasn't guided me and, and led me in, in the path that I should walk. I can think of one time when God did not make good on a promise that he made to me. See, the problem is some people uh, misread God's promises. And some people place expectations upon God that God did not commit to. So we have to be careful about that. 
you know, sadly, a lot of people only consider God to be good when things are going the way they want them to go. Well, what about Job? Have you ever thought about Job? Consider Job? In Job chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, we read, Then said his wife unto him, Doth thou still retain thine integrity? Curse God and die. Boy, what a wife. <laughs> what a helpmeet. Why don't you just stop? You just curse God, Job. Just curse God and die. But he said unto her, Thou speakest as one of the foolish women speaketh. What? Shall we receive good at the hand of God, and shall we not receive evil? In all this did not Job sin with his lips. In Job chapter 1, verses 20 and 22, we read, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. And all of this befell Job because God allowed him to be tested. Now I don't have time to turn to it and read it, but you can go, I have uh, Job a couple of scriptures cited on your study sheet. Go there later and see that, that God allowed Satan to, to tempt Job. Yes, God allowed Satan to test Job, to take him to the limit of human endurance. Yet in all of this, God never forsook Job. And Job knew that God was able to perform all that he intended and all that he wills in his life. This is what we need today. We as American pastors talking about this earlier in the office, American believers. We whine and cry when things don't go just as we want them to. We scheme and we doubt God when faced with trials. Yet all the while, God is able to perform and will perform if we will just wait for Him to act. In Psalms 46, verse uh, 10 through 11, we read, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I knew that my daddy would be home because he promised he would come home. He had come home every other day and he would come home this day as well. Now folks, I'm, I have to stop. If my eyes won't focus on that clock, but I know I'm close. But let me just say this. I know that Jesus is coming again. The world may scoff and try to cause me to doubt. The flesh is weak and tries to bring me down. But in all this, I, I will be steadfast. I will watch and wait. I will sit on the steps on the front porch and watch the horizon. Because from over there, out of the eastern sky, my father will come home. Or should I say, my father will come to bring me home. I know that he will because he promised. And he always keeps his promises. Are you watching for the Lord today? Are you, are you anticipating his return? 
You know, I, I, I'm afraid far too many, the vast majority of believers are living their life. They know that Jesus is coming again, but they're so unconcerned with it because they're too wrapped up in their own life here on this earth. Matter of fact, a lot of believers, I think, when they think about it, are a little, are a little bummed that they've got to go to heaven because they've got to give up all their, good, their cool stuff. Because their cool stuff is more important to them than the love of God the Father. Some people ask me, what are you going to do in heaven? I tell them, I don't know. But i got an awful long time to figure it out. I do know this much. I'll be in the presence of God the Father. I'll be safe and secure for all eternity. What are, what are we going to do in heaven? I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know. And, and you know what? I really don't care. I was happy when my daddy was home. I loved my daddy. And he and I spent time together. And I, I was just happy. I was happy to be with him. I, I didn't care what we were doing. I was just happy to be with him. And I'm looking so forward to that day when I stand in the presence of the Father. And I'll, I'll be disappointed in myself because I, I will have wasted time and I will have not done a lot of things I should have done. And I'll be ashamed when I stand in front of them. But you, you know what? I'll be with them forever. And, and he's going to wipe away my tears. And he's going to say, welcome home. Just like the father of the prodigal son. Bring a robe. Put a ring on his finger. Kill the fatted calf. My son is home. Now isn't, isn't a father like that, doesn't he deserve everything we have? Let's live our lives to the glory of God and not for the things we see and feel and touch. But live your life as though you are already there. Folks, thank you for being here. i got to stop. I hope this was helpful. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronan Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronan Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.